I'm Nadia, dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor, and welcome to Good Enough Nutrition, the podcast, a space where we chat all about nutrition and well-being, intuitive eating, body image, and a sprinkle of all things periods and hormones. I'm here to remind you that guilt has no place near our food or bodies, and that you are good enough, as you are, always. So let's dig in. Hello my cool cucumbers, welcome back to Good Enough Nutrition the podcast. Today in this episode we're going to be talking all about calories. More specifically I'll be flipping the script on calories and we'll be learning about why calories are actually really cool. So if you want to change your relationship with calories please hang around for the rest of the episode. But first up as always I want to talk about something that's been lighting me up recently. And it might get a little bit gushy because what has been lighting me up has been having the feedback from all of you who have been listening to the podcast or taking my online course and hearing the feedback has been so wonderful. More than just seeing you guys enjoying it, but hearing that it's making a difference in your relationship with food or body or your symptoms of endometriosis. Now I wanted to also let you know that if you follow follow me on Instagram I'm sure you've seen that I've released a free class all about endometriosis and body image but I just wanted to do a bit of a PSA that even if you don't have endometriosis if instead you have another chronic condition whether that be something like uh, a chronic pain of any form or hypermobility syndrome or something else that that class on body image is actually also very relevant for you. I'm exceptionally passionate about because I think the topic of body image in the context of a chronic condition such as endometriosis is not talked about enough and although that class is specific to endometriosis I've actually done that education with clients who don't have endo but have other chronic health conditions and they've found that it's really supportive of their understanding how body image is shaped by having a chronic health condition. So if you're interested, like I said, it's free, so feel free to sign up. At the end, I go through the Nourish for Endometriosis online course, so you can just skip that part if it's not interesting to you. Now that's enough of that, let's actually get on with the episode and chat a little bit more about calories. Now I don't know if you've noticed, but people seem to think that calories suck. The common narrative about calories has been, and still is, that the lower the better, right? Or calories are bad, or you have to count them or be cautious of them or micromanage them right? And I just think that this could not be more wrong. But before we actually go to talk about calories, we have to lay a little bit of groundwork and actually talk about metabolism first. So when I'm talking about metabolism, I don't mean, you know, metabolism in the diety sense of the word, you know, hack your metabolism. (laughs) I mean it in the way that metabolism is the amount of energy or calories that our body needs to carry out its daily functions, including things like breathing and heart beating and digestion, the processes that are going on 24-7. And these processes are going on even when we're sleeping. And so why I need to talk about metabolism first is because 
it is really helpful to know why calories are actually important and what we're using them for as humans. Now I'm going to simplify it, but to break it down, metabolism is made up of three main things. 60 to 70% of our metabolism is made up by what we call our resting energy expenditure. Now, if I were to sit still and not move a single muscle, my body would still be using 60 to 70% of its daily needs because these are the needs for survival. And this fuels all our body organs except our digestive system. And our body organs, as I mentioned before, are growing 24-7. So that's 60 to 70% of our needs. 15 to 30% is physical movement. So that's the energy our body needs for all movements, not just intentional exercise, but also things like getting out of bed, blinking, brushing our teeth, all movement. And as you can tell, that's quite a range. So it's between 15 and 30%. And then the last one, 10% is our thermic effect of food. So that is that our, when we eat food, our body actually uses energy in that digestion and metabolism process. So like I said, that's about 10%. And it's interesting because different foods can have different thermic effects. Now, when I talk people through that split, so many people are surprised. They actually think that the 15 to 30% for physical movement would have been swapped with 60, 70, 60 to 70% of resting energy expenditure. They often think that we use a lot more minute energy in physical movement than we would just at rest, not moving a muscle. But that's absolutely not the case. And what I'll often get people to do is actually hold up their hand in the form of a fist and pump it a bit like a heart and do that for a few seconds. And what they often find is, oh, okay, that's actually quite tiring, right? Heart pumping along. And this is what your body is doing literally 24-7. And that's just the heart. You've got all your other organs, your liver, your spleen, your gallbladder, your pancreas, your lungs. And interestingly enough, it's your brain that uses the most energy for the size of it. It's it uses so much and I don't know if you ever noticed that when you say first started a full-time job or first you know on the first few days of high school it's like as your brain's starting to work again my gosh so much more hungry and so I really like to just have that knowledge as a baseline of understanding where our calories or our energy goes into our the function of our organs at rest our physical movement and our digestion and processing of food i also like people to understand that of course our metabolism is influenced by a number of things this includes things like our age and our weight our height our sex and even our energy availability. So it is absolutely true that different people have different kind of baseline metabolic rates and that could be influenced by like I said all those things including actually genetics. But one thing that people are often aware of that influences their metabolism but are often aware of it in a very like rigid kind of diet culture way is that energy availability. So what that means is that 
when we're not getting enough energy in, our body freaks out. It is seen as a real danger. And so our brain recognizes, uh-oh, there's not enough energy coming in. I'd better downregulate my metabolism and downregulate those non-essential body functions in order to preserve energy for our essential body functions. Things like our hearts, hearts, <laughs> multiple, our one heart and our lungs. And it does that truly just to keep us alive. It's like, okay, well, I've really got to make sure that these things have energy. So let me down regulate the non-essential things. And so these are things like our thermoregulation or our body temperature. So we might feel cold more often. It might downregulate our brain function to an extent. So we might be a bit brain foggy or have trouble concentrating. It can downregulate our immune function. So we might get sick more often. And our gut function, so we might notice more gut symptoms. And it can also downregulate our menstrual function, so our periods can go a bit wonky if we're someone with periods. And now I always ask people, when you've had a period of time where you have been dieting or restricting your nutrition in some way, have you noticed any of those things popping up? And of course, it's a spectrum, you know, the higher the level of caloric, caloric restriction, the more intense those symptoms are going to be. And most people will say yes, they've experienced some or all of those symptoms. And alongside that, our body will also generally upregulate how much we think about food. And so we start obsessing more about our next meal or what we're going to eat. And of course, if we're someone who has a challenging relationship with food already, that can be quite uh, interruptive to our daily lives. And so that's what metabolic adaptation is that's the way that our body adapts depending on the amount of energy availability we have and often people think that it's a really bad thing they're like oh i've dieted so that my metabolism slowed down for instance but it's actually a really good thing it's our body keeping us alive going hey i've got your back don't worry if you're in the middle of a famine because Let's be honest, our body does not know the difference between when we're intentionally dieting or a famine. It'll say, yep, okay, I've got you. Don't worry. I will downregulate the things that we don't need so that we can stay alive. It doesn't it fit for the body. Weight loss is actually seen as a dangerous thing. And of course, I want to acknowledge how devastating that can be for people in bigger bodies who face weight-based oppression in our society and how that metabolic adaptation means that people do not lose weight or at least don't keep it off long term and how devastating that is and at the same time I also want to hold true that it's part of the reason why many of us are actually here alive today because a lot of our ancestors did face famine they faced times where it wasn't possible to get enough nutrition in and if our bodies didn't develop that metabolic adaptation many 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 more people would have died and therefore we not we as an individual might not be standing here today and so I think it's important to hold both of those things true at the same time. And that leads me to one of my favorite analogies when talking about metabolism is the fireplace analogy. So if we think about a fireplace, a fireplace that we're putting small twigs on 
every five to six hours is never going to burn as bright as a fire that we're putting logs on every three to four hours. Similarly, if we're not eating enough and we're going for long periods of time without eating, our fire, our metabolic fire, so to speak, is never going to burn bright. It's Our body's not going to function optimally because it's preserving that energy. But if we're eating regularly and enough food, this is going to support our metabolic fire to burn bright. And as a result, we feel better because our body is functioning optimally. And so you can see why I'm so passionate about talking about metabolism and calories, because I think that when we actually understand our metabolism and metabolic adaptation, it can actually go a little way to helping us to understand that our body just has our best interest at heart. And it's also why I really hate it when people say calories in, calories out, because understanding metabolic adaptation helps us to understand that that is absolutely not true at all because of our metabolic um, how our metabolism is very flexible depending on so many factors but one of them being how many calories we are eating and that leads me to talking about calories so calories like I said earlier have a really bad rap People often say things like the less calories, the better or calories are bad or we need to count our calories. And, you know, we just know that calories get a bad rap from thinking about things like MyFitnessPal or other calorie counting apps. Or if you were dieting back in the day, it would have been more something like Weight Watchers and counting points, which is just another measure for calories. What I find is when we can understand calories better with that background of understanding metabolism, we can actually flip that script on its head. So what is a calorie exactly? A calorie is a measure of how much heat or energy is required to raise the temperature of one gram of water by one degree Celsius. So when people refer to calories, they're usually referring to the amount of kilocalories, once again, energy, contained in food. So if we think back to that log fire metaphor that I used before, the logs are the same as calories. So the logs that we use to fuel our fire is the calories that we use to fuel our metabolism. And so when we think of it in that sense, it helps us to understand that calories other things that actually provide us with the life-giving energy that we use in our daily lives to work, to play, to socialize, to laugh, to cry, to essentially live a fulfilling life. I always say that calories in food to humans are what the sun is to plants. You know, humans can't photosynthesize. We can't just lie in the sun and get energy. <laughs> we need to be getting our energy from food. And we don't judge plants for photosynthesizing, for getting the calories that they need from the sun, from gas, from water. And plants actually convert that into glucose. But for whatever reason, we judge humans for having calories and getting calories from food and converting that into the nutrients we need, one of those being glucose as well. Hopefully that's gone away to help you to shift your relationship with calories and see them in a more positive light. 
And in a minute, I'm going to shift gears over to the practical and talk about how we can make sure that we have a really robust metabolism. But before I do that, I actually wanted to go through a few more of the symptoms that we get when we are undernourishing, when we're not having enough calories overall. I mentioned a few earlier. I mentioned feeling cold all the time. I mentioned gut symptoms, getting sick more often, uh, perhaps our period's going wonky. But there's a few others that I think people can notice any time that they start restricting or trying a new diet. So first and foremost, low energy levels. <laughs> I mean, often people are complaining about low energy, right? And of course, it's also, you know, a function of our society, lacking sleep, too much stimulation, all the things. But one of the things I first look at when someone's coming to me with low energy is, are we actually eating enough? <laughs> like I said, food is energy. The second one is experiencing dry hair, skin or nails or shock horror, premature aging, because our the cells in our body turn over so rapidly. This includes our skin cells. And if we're not eating enough, it's really hard for those cells to turn over in the way that they need to if they don't have the nutrients that they need. Thirdly, people often notice more dysregulation in their mood. Often people are familiar with being hangry or irritable when they go for too long without eating. We can actually also get anxious <laughs> or more stressed as well. And this is just our body going into fight or flight. Now, if we're not eating enough long term, this is going to result in us feeling more stressed or irritable or sometimes even low more often because of that mood dysregulation and that nervous system dysfunction from not eating enough. People will, might also notice their hair falling out and skin being slow to heal or bruising easily, maybe feeling more weak or even at the more, more extreme end having trouble sleeping as well as no longer laughing or playing. And I see this really often when someone comes into me um, with an eating disorder or struggling res with restrictive eating. Whereas when people start to include more nutrition and re-nourish their body, I often notice there's this dramatic shift in their ability to laugh and play and have a good time because their nervous system is no longer feeling like it's in danger from not eating enough. So there's just a few other things that are worth looking out for if you're not sure that you're eating enough. And similarly, when we re-nourish, when we are eating a good amount of food, all of those things often do improve. Of course, like I said before, there are other contributing factors to things like energy levels and mood. But all in all, Making sure we're nourished is a really great baseline to supporting our body to function optimally. Okay, now let's shift over to the practical. Let's talk about my four top tips of how we can make sure that we have a robust metabolism. Now, the first one will not be a surprise to you because I bang on about it a lot, and that is nourishing ourselves regularly throughout the day. If you're someone that goes for long periods of time without eating or doesn't really have much of a routine around food, the first place you can start is what I call a flexible rule of threes. Three meals, two to three snacks, roughly every three to four hours, ideally starting within an hour of waking up. 
Hopefully, after you've given that a go for a while, your appetite cues might come back online, you'd hopefully notice some benefits, and with time, you can start adapting and becoming more flexible with when or how much or how often you eat to support our body functions. But if in doubt, begin with the rule of threes. Secondly, carbs are your friend. When we eat carbohydrate containing foods, our body breaks them down into glucose and glucose is the preferred fuel source for our muscles, organs and nervous system. Glucose crosses the blood brain barrier, meaning that it provides important energy to our brain. And so if you're not going to be in ketosis, which I'm not a big fan of um, because you know, our brain can't store glucose, so we actually need a consistent supply. So to keep our brain happy and for a really strong metabolism, aim to have carbs at every meal. Thirdly, eat to match your metabolic peak. Our metabolism is actually highest in the first part of the day. So if we can make sure we're having a really good breakfast, lunch, and if needed, morning tea and afternoon tea, and making sure that that makes up a really good portion of what we're eating in the day then we're actually matching our metabolic peak we're giving our body the energy when it actually needs it the most and that can be a game changer for our energy levels and our concentration during the day lastly nourish yourself before and after exercise Exercise can absolutely contribute to a healthy metabolism, but only if we are well nourished and refueling. If we exercise without enough nutrition on board, our body will often become depleted. So if we can, we would love to aim to have something to eat within three hours of exercising and within 30 minutes of finishing. So there we have it. Those are my four main tips for a healthy and robust metabolism. And hopefully today's episode has supported you to change your relationship with calories and understand in a little bit more depth about why you can dismiss the idea that calories are bad or wrong and that our metabolism is something that needs to be controlled or hacked. If you have any questions about today's episode, feel free to reach out over on Instagram at Nadia Maxwell Nutrition. I would love to hear from you. Otherwise, as always, thank you for being here and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to Good Enough Nutrition. If you have thoughts or questions from today's episode, hit me up over on my Instagram at Nadia Maxwell Nutrition. If you have a moment to rate or review the podcast, that would be amazing. Or share that you're listening on your stories and tag me. I absolutely love to see it. As always, remember that guilt has no place near our food or bodies. And you are good enough as you are always. Always.